BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Hey, it's Erica. Just coming at you with an opportunity to... Help us make our show better for you. We have a listener survey going that takes literally just eight minutes of your time. We want to hear what ideas you have for the show, what you like about it, what you don't like. It's literally going to inform what we do with the show. So please take our listener survey. It's at kqed.org slash the Bay Survey. And thanks. I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. When the small, unincorporated community of Pajaro was flooded after a levee broke during last week's rainstorms, it actually wasn't a huge surprise. Problems with that levee have been well known for decades, but it never got fixed on time. The Bay Area has hundreds of its own levees, and it turns out we don't really know how safe or vulnerable most of them are. Maybe our levee system is inadequate. Maybe we put people in places where they're just going to be in risk no matter what because they live next to where a river has always been. Residents of Pajaro in Monterey County have finally been allowed to return home. And officials have warned it's still far from livable, given the flood's damage. And what happened there is a cautionary tale of a levee system gone wrong. Today, what we know and don't know about the risks of our own levees in the Bay Area. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. 
So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. The typical levee is essentially like a long pile of dirt that keeps water from overflowing into an area. Ezra David Romero is a climate reporter for KQED. When they were first built in California, their whole goal was to keep water out of farmland. They were made to contain rivers and lakes in the Central Valley and all along the coast. Like if you think back to that time of California, California was a bunch of river valleys, right, that we have contained and dried up and like straightened out. Pajaro flooded twice in the 90s, and for the past three decades or so, people have tried to get a remedy here. And in 2025, a levee project was finally supposed to begin, and that wouldn't be completed for like another 10 years. And so while there was work and there is work supposed to happen on this, like it just didn't happen soon enough. You know, for 50 years or more, people have known that this levy was very much in danger. I met Nancy Falstick. She's the executive director of Regeneración, the Pajaro Valley Climate Action Group. And she told me that everyone knew about these levees and that this is also this repetitive extreme drought cycle and now a wet cycle. These are putting pressure on a system, on a place, on a city, right next to a levy that failed because of climate-fueled atmospheric rivers. Feels like it's just exactly a case of environmental injustice, that this has been known, you know, known that it would fail. And of course, Pajaro was probably the hardest-hit area of the state during the round of flooding and rainstorms last week, but we are talking after another week of some pretty intense rainstorms in the Bay Area, Could what happened in Pajaro happen here in the Bay Area? Unfortunately, yes. And if it does happen here, it would be potentially a lot worse. The damage could be higher. The lives lost could be higher because there are so many more people next to levees here in the Bay Area. You know, in the past few months, some of the creeks and rivers in the Bay Area, like in San Jose and Newark and Santa Cruz, places like that, we were at these like high flood stages and cities were prepared for like major flooding or like levee breaches in these areas. And so hmm. we were very close to what happened down further in Monterey County just in the past few weeks. But it just happened that the big part of the atmospheric river wasn't over these rivers. It, it moved south. And so in some way we got lucky. Wow. I think it would be helpful to give folks a sense of, like, the lay of the land. How many levees are there around the Bay Area? There's a huge data gap in the knowledge of what we know about levees. The National Levee Database, it's run by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and they have found 539 levee systems across 11 counties in our area. I'm defining our area from Monterey to Napa on the coast and all the counties in between. So that's like Alameda, San Mateo, San Francisco, Santa Cruz, all those kind of places. 
41 of those uh, 539 levies have a low risk rating, 12 have a moderate risk rating, and 484 have no risk rating. That means we don't have an understanding of how vulnerable those levies are. And so there's a need to sort of close that data gap so we can have safety as the climate warms and levees are put under more pressure. Yeah. So like, in other words, we basically don't know whether the vast majority of levees in the Bay Area are even safe. Yeah, exactly. I did reach out to the Department of Water Resources for the story. And, you know, I asked them if they had more information about levees across the state. And what they said is like, you need to contact every locality where they're at to figure out what's happening with levees. And so it seems like in California, there's not this big consensus or this big understanding of what's happening. I mean, a full picture of where levees are and what kind of danger they pose sounds like pretty important information to know, especially just after what we saw happen in Pajaro and and these uh, series of storms that we've been seeing. Why don't we know this information? Scientists I spoke to say, you know, that 500 number of what we don't know could actually be like 50% higher because so many of these levees are on private land and they don't have the same requirements as like levees on federal land that have a certain requirement or on state land with a certain requirement. There's just like the multi-jurisdiction thing happening out there. And so we don't have the same standards for everywhere across the state. It's no secret that we have a marginal levy system. I talked to Farshid Vaharifard about this. He's a professor of civil engineering at Mississippi State University, and he studies levees and climate change here in California. Pretty much they're all privately owned. There is no rigorous you know, maintenance or rigorous procedure for documenting it. What does Farshid say about what it would take to figure all this out? He basically said it would take a lot of work. What I'm suggesting is we need to have coordinated work to improve our fundamental understanding gaps. And we need to have the state, the federal government, localities all come together and sort of document the state of our levees, figure out exactly where they are. There have been some recent, you know, efforts to invest more from the infrastructure law and some other congressional supports. So I don't believe there won't there will be an overnight magic. So I think we have to understand that these data gaps exist and do our best to fill them in because I think as the climate continues to warm, there are big warnings about a far wetter future ahead. I was just going to say, like, this is all the more urgent after yet another storm that we just experienced this past week. And I think it is fair to say that these storms are only going to get worse and stronger in the future, right? Yeah, a study came out in the journal Nature Climate Change earlier this year saying that the wettest atmospheric rivers, the wettest storms, could become 30% wetter by 2050. So at the same time these levees are aging, climate change is still happening and getting worse. You know, with a warming climate, we're going to have these swings from dry times to wet times, and both sides are supposed to become more extreme. 
I have a question of whether our levees and our infrastructure can handle the load that may be coming. Like maybe preparing for a 100-year storm or a 200-year storm on a levee isn't enough anymore. Maybe we need to have bigger risk level that we're preparing for. Not just repairing these levees too, but doing much, much more than that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe our levee system is inadequate because rivers just flow and they want to go where they want to go. So if there's just that much more water, like we're trying to tame a beast. Every levee at the end of the day is something human constructed and there's still a percentage of risk that it could fail. Farshid made that point loud and clear to me. As a low-risk levy, it does not mean it will remain low-risk forever. The risk level can change over time due to changes in weather condition, land use, and other factors. Maybe we don't see them all fail in a year, but in our era, we saw two fail since January in Salinas and Pajaro. That's two in rural areas, but... Say if one in San Jose had failed, it would have been a different story and it affected something like 150,000 people instead of 3,000. And I mean, also, Ezra, these levees were built like a long time ago. And for, I guess, a different kind of California, it hasn't accounted for population growth. They weren't built to account for climate change. But I feel like now this is just the kind of thing that most people don't really pay attention to unless something goes wrong, like in Pajaro. We're not thinking about piles of dirt all the time, right? Like we have other things. We got to pay our bills. We got to like eat. We're not thinking about like the infrastructure that's actually protecting our lives. And so there's a lot to be thought about. And in these wet times, and we do see these things happen, it forces us to think about these piles of dirt near our homes that if they fail could upend our lives. The climate that we have today isn't the climate we had 100 years ago when these levees were built. And the climate of the future is both drier and wetter in a warming world. And so climate change is sort of like untaming the California we tried to tame with levees and highways and dams and things like that. All that's being challenged with climate change, and I think it's worth a big rethink about how we move on in a far wetter world. Ezra, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was Ezra David Romero, a climate reporter for KQED. This 22-minute conversation with Ezra was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. Our senior editor is Alan Montesilio. He scored this episode and added all the tape. The rest of our podcast team includes Jen Chien, our director of podcasts, Cesar Saldana, our podcast engagement producer, and Holly Kernan, our chief content officer. Support for The Bay is provided by the Osher Production Fund. We're a production of member-supported KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Peace. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. 